from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. He's an anti-winger. Hates chicken wings. Leave! Because the boomers are out there going, ah, well, you never heard of the flu? We made it through that every single year. I'm a lunatic. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Three o'clock hours here. We're going to talk to John Pacenti from the Las Vegas Bowl. Big news on the sponsorship front and also news about uh, what they're going to call the kickoff classic. I remember the kickoff classic, but we'll talk to John in about 30 minutes. Let's uh, kick off this three o'clock hour. It's time for the three presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Big headlines at three o'clock with Lon Tobel and Cofield. John, are you getting fatigue at all when it comes to talking about wagering on the NFL draft? Oh, no. I love the NFL draft. I'll talk Good. about it for forever, especially betting on it. I think this year is so much different than past years. One, the options, the amount of props is it's just voluminous. There's so many more. And the movement you, has been a lot bigger. Are you interested in odds like the Raiders' specific selection? Not position, where you get a coverall where maybe, you know, yeah. if you bet offensive line, you can bet the position that's taken at 17 by the Raiders. You can get plus 175 on the O-line. We're talking individual players. Yeah, so like an index prop, like, you know, 10-plus players or whatever. Yep. I generally I generally kind of stay away from those. You know, I, I did bet one this year, the first non-quarterback taken, Kyle Pitts, at like plus 125. Uh, but I'll, I'll generally stay away from index props like that. Well, how about the Raiders? Who will they pick? This is from Circa, and it's pretty much got everyone in the running, although mm-hmm. I would I would also put down money on the field. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, guessing, I'm guessing if you had booked this, uh, what was it, three years ago now, that Colton Miller probably wasn't going to be on the list of 12 guys. Um, how about Cleveland Farrell? How, like, any of these guys? Like, I, I think like, <laughs> Farrell, the most people didn't have Farrell going inside the top 10. He went fourth. Right. So I that, think that's that, like, that end. I mean, I think Damon Arnett may have been. No. May, they, you know what? If, if we look back, if actually, if someone actually came up with odds the last couple of years, the Gruden Mayock era, they have blown people out of the water with some of their selections. Is there, maybe field is the play. Right. Like, I mean, think about it even to like, yeah, all of this Henry Ruggs, like I think a lot of people were surprised that he was, what was he? The first wide receiver that year, right? Taken off the board. Like, yeah, there was a lot of surprising selections by this front office. What do you think they're going to do? What position? So I, I think it's, I, I think there's a very obvious need along the interior of the defensive line, but you know, there was this quote the other day from again, the anonymous scouts. And if you read any analysis on this draft class as a whole, Interior defensive line, relatively weak class. Uh, you know, you and Q were talking about, you know, Barmore and his potential to be a relatively decent interior guy, at least from a size standpoint, right? you got the body type, but from a play on film, uh, the analysis is that he doesn't really put forth a lot until you look at the college football playoff film. So I think, yeah, he's, he's going to be available. Do they want to take him there? Uh, I think this is a relatively deep offensive line class, and I still think they need help along the offensive line. So given all of that, I would think that they probably go offensive line uh, more often than not if we're simulating this a thousand times. One of the craziest things to follow on the betting board has been the MVP. Obviously, things changed when LeBron James went down. 
And now we've got uh, Steph Curry potentially pushing himself into the mix, which I've got thoughts on that. Colin Coward did a really good job of uh, he's great with the countdowns, great with the countdowns. Uh, he went through his number five to number one. I want you to grade these players and also react to his comments because he is a big NBA guy. They love talking NBA on the herd. And, of course, you can hear the herd on our sister station, Fox 1340 and 98.9 FM. Jared Fire, number five, choice number five from Coward. But again, it's called valuable. This is who I would give the MVP to. Okay. Number five. LeBron James. Hold on. You're going to freak out. LeBron's played 41 games. He's going to come back and play the final 11 or 12. That'll give him 53 of 72 games. That is three quarters of a season. Do the math. That's almost 75% of games. The Lakers have not beaten a team over 500 that's fully stocked since he left. They beat the Nets without James Harden and the Jazz without Gobert or Donovan Mitchell. They have plummeted defensively. They have plummeted offensively. They're the 27th best offense in the league without LeBron James. They won the title last year. I feel like John's going to have a perplexed look on a lot of the analysis. Go ahead, NBA guru. First of all, LeBron, can he be in the mix playing, as Colin said, 50-something of 72? I mean, yeah. If he's going to be a fifth-place finisher on the ballot, there's nothing wrong with that, right? If you want to put him fifth, given the um, given what he has done this year, I would say that he's completely wrong in terms of them plummeting defensively. They have the third best defensive rating since losing LeBron James, so that's just factually incorrect. <laughs> All right, let's uh, next up on the Cowherd MVP board as he counts down to number one. Number four, Steph Curry. He's going to have better numbers than when he won MVP, but here's the key: it's a bad basketball team that is one in seven when he doesn't play. When he does play, they have a winning record and will make it into the playoffs. This is not a good team. Clay Thompson's out. Wiseman's now hurt. It's Kelly Oubre's talented, but Draymond's past his prime. Not a very good team. And then his numbers this year are better than his MVP season he'd be for. Number four. Yes, number four. We like to use our voice guy to buttress Collins Countdown. Is Steph Curry a legitimate MVP candidate, especially for the reason, as uh, Cowherd pointed out, Draymond Green has passed his prime? So I think there's two ways to answer this. Uh, the first one is no, because he's not going to sniff the award. Like, and realistically, the voters aren't going to vote for him. I would say yes. If you're taking at face value, like, most valuable player, Colin is absolutely right, and they're competing for the top pick in terms of the draft lottery. And, by the way, they're probably on the level of Oklahoma City at this point. They have a negative 11 net rating when he's off the court this year. They're scoring less than a point per possession. They're awful. So – I would say yes. He is definitely – he should be in contention. I think he should get more than just one first-place vote, which Tim Bontemps straw poll the other day uh, said that he only got one of those. But voters aren't going to vote like that. Bontemps, who else was on the list? Who else performed strongly in the MVP voting? Uh, well, Jokic just ran away with it. He had 90 he of the – one. yeah, he had 90 of the 101 first-place votes. Uh, it was just, uh, like, just absolute devastation. Embiid was second. Do you agree with that? I mean – I agree with it for the like. I agree with the sentiment that like Nikola Jokic should win the MVP, just given the fact that he's played the most games. Like he's just winning by attrition, essentially. I like it's hard to disagree with it, right? It's actually funny because Brian Windhorst had this conversation on his podcast, the Hoop Collective, with uh, Tim Bontemps and um, um, Tim McMahon, who also covers uh, NBA for ESPN, and they were really actually getting in a heated argument about it. But essentially, it came down to you know, Windhorst thought that. Jokic, or excuse me, Embiid should appear on more ballots. But the thing was, like, 
well, if like 90 people think that Jokic is the MVP, you can't really argue with it. So while it seems like it's a really big gap, it's just that at this point people are voting for him more. So, like, yeah, I get it. I, I would probably at this point still vote for Jokic. So, yeah, I, I understand it. How was that podcast? It's all right. Like, I think from, you know, I'm a media guy. I'm a kind of, you know, I went through broadcasting school, so it's kind of clunky in that regard, but a lot of good information. Is it me or I, I feel like BBW has been kind of pushed off as not as big a contributor as he used to be, Big, uh, big Brian Windhorst? I, I I don't really watch a lot of ESPN, so I couldn't really answer it. I, I take in also and seek out a lot of his content, so I'm the wrong person to ask. I miss him. I miss hey, him in my hey, face. Hey, I, miss I, him in you, I miss BBW in my face as much as it used to be. Or I will tell be. you, you should go listen to that episode of the Hoop Collective. Yeah, they, 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 dude, they argue so hard. Like, at one point, Tim Bontemps calls Windhorse a jackass, tells him to shut <laughs> up. Like, <laughs> Dude, it's so good. It is actually such a legitimately good listen. How mad they're getting at each other over this. Oh, it's it's fantastic. It's kind of cool, though, because as I said just a couple minutes ago, uh, this is one of those years where there's a really good argument because you've got, you know, sort of a, I'm going to call it a flawed, a flawed setup, but it's not a flawed setup. The, you know, the obvious guy would be LeBron James at his age, you know, on the defending champs, but he's not playing the whole season. Mm-hmm. So that throws things off. And now you've got all these new entrants in terms of good teams. You've had some teams, you know, like what's happened to the Bucks? Right. Well, defensively, they they suck. I mean, they, they have one of the worst perimeter defenses in the league. Well, what happened? Well, I think they've always actually kind of been like that. If you look at the last three years, like from a statistical standpoint, they've been in the mid-20s in terms of perimeter defense each and every one of those years. Why the Miami Heat were such a sexy pick to upset them yeah. last year because he could actually shoot the ball and exploit that. And it's just been magnified this year because we're actually all paying attention to it now. On the way back, uh, we'll give some more of Cowherd's MVP candidates. John's awesome on the NBA. No, I want it's actually really, really good. And then uh, later in the show, I'll give my MVP, uh, the, well, at least a top two. That'll be in the 5 o'clock hour. But more from Colin Cowherd, of course, one of our big shows, one of the guys who carries Lotus Broadcasting along with the uh, great JT the Brick. More Colin Cowherd coming up on Cofield and Company. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. If the Raiders draft him, John, can we just go with Jock? Yeah. I like that. I can't. I can't. I can't do this. I can't do it every time. Or, or Joe, how about the, or how about the the jock? That's a good one too. The jock, J O K, or Joko. Yeah. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. Better get used to it too. That's one of the names that has been very much tied yeah. to I the know. Raiders. God knows they need a linebacker, an impact linebacker to uh, build around. How about, so. about J O K? I think that's what I was going. Oh, you're just going to call him J O K? J O K. Yeah, you get it? J-O-K. J-O-K. Brent Musburger, interception. That's J-O-K, baby. How about I that? think you might have nailed it. Brent Fine listens, job. so I'm sure he'll write it down. Fun job. He's he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's scouting you. Uh, it's Cofield and Company here on a Tuesday. Jared in for Ari. We were just talking about the MVP in the NBA. Uh, John loves the NBA. I like the NBA. I like the MVP talk. It's wide open this year, although a recent ESPN poll was uh, around, what, 88% for 
Nikola Jokic. It, it uh, as John describes, it broke into a freaking screaming match with uh, BBW, Big Brian Windhorst, and some other NBA guys. So very passionate topic. I like it. I like it. I like it so much that uh, our vast sound crew grabbed Colin Cowherd talking about this this morning. You can hear Colin every day over on Fox 1340, 98.9 FM. He's counting down from five to one. And I like leaning on John because John knows a lot about the NBA, maybe not as much as Colin Cowherd, but he knows a lot. Uh, here's number three for the MVP this year in the NBA. Number three. I'll say it again, Jimmy Butler. He, he is a 500 to one shot to win it. Jimmy Butler. This is a young team bordering sometimes on immature Bam, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson. He has to babysit some of these guys. They were early in the year when he got COVID. They were atrocious defensively. Now they're top five in the league defensively. So unlike a James Harden, you get everything on both ends of the floor. Number three. All right. So you get everything on both ends of the floor, unlike James Harden. And uh, he does make a valid point there. There's... uh, there's nothing more maddening than watching the very immature Duncan Robinson on and off the floor. I mean, what do you think? What? I mean, well, that, I, I think it's Butler, very. Un- Jimmy Butler should be a legit MVP candidate. So there's a couple of things. One, I think it's very unfair to just like assume that this team is immature. <laughs> like, I just I don't know where that comes from. Like, out of nowhere. Right. Uh, and Butler did call them soft the other day. So, you know, maybe that has something to do with uh, Collins thinking. And I don't think it's like, I don't think it's a terrible candidate, right? Like they have a pretty bad net rating when he's off the floor. It's like negative 5.2. Um, they did play. He's extremely right. Like they were very poor defensively when he was going through his COVID issues. But I also think it ignores the fact that Butler's been on the court for a lot of their struggles too. Like he's been there, you know, since they've been an abhorrent offensive team, one of the worst in the NBA. Right. He's been there as they have struggled through a lot of these games. And so, like, how much do you really account for that when it comes to Butler? Because while you can argue that Steph has been on the court, right? Well, the Warriors are losing games and not performing very well. Steph is at least putting up offensive numbers that clearly make a difference for his team. Butler's been there and he makes a difference defensively, but he's also part of their issues offensively. He can't shoot. All right. So, Jimmy Butler, maybe not number three in your mind. No, it, it, let's put him six in my mind. How about that? Okay. Here's number two, Colin Coward counting down the MVP in the NBA from five down to one. Number two. Nikola Jokic, Denver, bad body, I understand. But Jamal Murray, second best player, top 20 player in the league. He's out. They're seven and one this year when Jamal Murray doesn't play. He is the best passing big man from Bill Walton. He gets so many players on this team, open looks and good looks, because you often have to double him. He's the classic value additive. He makes players better. Westbrook makes everybody worse. Number two. Number two. Okay. (laughs) First of all, as a bad body guy, I don't need every time someone mentions Cofield, a radio guy, if they're like good or bad, they're like, well, let me say right off the bat, bad body guy. Right. So if it's good, you're like, well, he's got a bad body. Um, I mean, seriously, <laughs> do we have to practice just, Jokic analysis with bad body guy? What the frig does it matter? There are some of us who are not shredded up, Colin. Yeah, it seemed like a really unnecessary shot. And by the way, like this is the best his body has looked in like his entire NBA career. Like part of the reason why he's made such a leap is because he's actually not like a fat slob running up and down right. the court. So let, me break, totally let, me break down, let me break down another MVP candidate. Uh, bad teeth, not great hair, and kind of pasty. 
right. but here are the positives. Like, wait, what? What just happened? This is a look contest. Always has a cut on his upper arm for some reason, and you just don't know why. Like, he's always just got this massive scratch on his arm. It just wait, it that, never goes away. Wait, is that Jokic or someone else? No, it's Jokic. Like, watch him. Like, there's always just a scratch on his arm. I don't know why. It's always there. I don't know if it's just the same scratch that never heals, but he's always just got this massive scratch on his arm. I don't know where it comes from. Uh, I mean, I'd be interested to hear who number one is, if he has him at number two. Uh, Look, he's the league leader in like nine different statistical categories. Uh, I got a lot of flack. It's still very true that he doesn't perform very well defensively. If you want to hold him back for that, I think that's very fair. He's the starting center on the worst rim defense in the league. Like that's something that should be considered. Um, And – you know, he's an MVP that is on a fourth seed right now. Like, while all the teams around him in the Western Conference fall apart, he continues to sit there at about the fourth seed. So I think that's also a knock. But I'm never going to slight anybody if they want to say that he won it. But Colin obviously doesn't think he's the best candidate. So I'm very curious to see who number one is. Hmm. Who's a worse defensive player, Jokic or Harden? This is a loaded question. You you are a Harden guy. Can you be honest? Well, I think it depends because there's different aspects of defense, right? I think overall, if we're talking about who is the worst defensive player, they think they're pretty even. Um, they're both bad. <laughs> like, well, in their, in their respect, like, right? Like Harden, like we've talked about, like Harden has his certain strengths. Harden's actually a really good low post defender. You know, he's actually really good when people are trying to back him down. He's great in that position. Jokic is actually pretty good at deflecting passes with his extremely long arms and disrupting passing lanes and forcing turnovers. So, like, they have their positives. I mean, if you were to force me to take one, I guess I'd say Harden just because he's at more of an impact position, right? Like if you're getting beat off the ball a lot at guard, that's going to impact your defense quite a bit more than just a poor rim-protecting center. You know, we've gone through uh, four different MVP candidates. There are some strong ones that we haven't named yet. Cowherd's going to get to number one in just a little bit. Um, the Clippers don't have anyone who warrants consideration. They've, oh, they they're, they're kind of good. They've been playing pretty well. Yeah, I think Kawhi's a perfectly legitimate MVP candidate. He's played, I think it's 47 games up to this point this year, right? He's been he's part of one of their most effective lineups, and him and Paul George are on the court together. They score opponents by 17 points every 100 possessions. You know, defensively, they've turned things around, uh, incredibly so in the second half. Um, he's been incredible. So I would say 100, like Kawhi, if you want to say he's in the top five, yeah. It just shows you how weird, though, the MVP in all sports is. Because it seems like there has to be a story. And Mm -hmm. the voters look for a situation where, you know, hey, it's their turn. That's that's a good narrative. They haven't won it yet. Let's give them a chance. Like, is that really the way it's supposed to work? I don't think it should. Like, look, I'm I'm all for awesome guy on losing team winning the award, right? I'm a fan of the Angels. Mike Trout did it when they won 72 games, you know, a couple years ago. I think Steph Curry's a legitimately good MVP candidate. I I take the I take the word value literally, like who is the most valuable player to his team. So, yeah, I don't think we should be accounting for if it's a guy's time. Like Giannis this year, there's a really strong argument for Giannis. Defensively, they are awful without Giannis Antetokounmpo on the floor. Like it complete, it falls off a face of a cliff. If he's not playing on that team, they're pretty good offensively, but I don't know where they're at because they're so bad defensively. If he's the best player and statistically you can make a case for him, he should win it. What about awesome guy on a – a mediocre-looking record, but much improved team. Why not Atlanta? Why not Atlanta? You're talking about Trey Young? Yes. I mean, you yes. could. But uh, no, only because. Well, only because. So there's a couple of things, right? One, okay. 
he, he's very much near the bottom of the league in terms of all qualified players. We're talking about well over how many players is that? Like 300, 400 players in terms of defensive real plus minus. Like he's actively one of the worst defenders in the league. Like period, one of the worst. On top of that. I, you know, he, can I just stop you for a second though? I feel like. Now that we have the numbers, it, it 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 helps analyzing this, especially on defense. I mm-hmm. I feel like we've had plenty of elite players that were considered elite and MVP candidates who didn't give a rat's ass about playing defense, but were just those guys in old timey NBA that averaged twenty five to thirty two points a game. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's a fair criticism, but I mean now it's it's changed, right? So we should factor yeah. that in. And, I, but I agree. Also, yeah, and I'd also say too, kind of like a lot of these guys, except it was much more magnified for Atlanta he was one of the active contributors to like their biggest flaws in the first half of the season, right? Like, uh, you know, I get it. He didn't get along with Lloyd Pierce. We could talk about Pierce not being a good head coach, but they were one of the worst defensive teams in the league. He was a big part of it. He wasn't really helping things out in that regard. So he's kind of the reason why this team is fighting for, you know, four seed right now when they could have potentially, if they got to this kind of a start where they're on right now under McMillan, where they like 17 and six now or whatever it is underneath them, like they could have been a top three seed potentially. We got breaking news on uh, the net situation and injuries going into the Pelicans game tonight, but also big news today with the uh, Las Vegas Bowl as uh, they have a new sponsor and we've got a kickoff classic going down in September. Now back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Rolling on here, Tuesday, Cofield and Company. During the break, JVT is like, wait, where's Cowherd's number one? Joseph, we've got a fourth hour. We're bringing Cowherd back in the big five with his number Thank one. God. Thank yes. God. Yes. Well, we're all waiting with bated breath. There's a bunch of players he left out for number one option to be the MVP in the NBA. All right, big local news as we're starting to, you know, you're starting to feel it, John, right? We're going to. Get to 100% here in June, and then we got all these big events in July, and then guess what? Football right around the corner starting in August. Man, I feel like the last time we talked to John Sassenti, who uh, runs the Las Vegas Bowl, it was kind of a, a melancholy affair. We're looking ahead. Uh, you know, we had cancellations, Pac-12 cancellation. Now things have changed. Fingers crossed, right? John Sassenti's up with us. Hey, John. Hey, fellas. How you doing? Long time to talk. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, you know, everything was shut down, man. We had nothing to talk about. Last time you were on, I felt like I was like all depressed afterwards. I felt like we were a big bummer, you know, bringing up all the updates and everything was freaking closing down. <laughs> no, no kidding. And, and here we are. We, we're, we're going full speed ahead this week, announcing all kinds of things, which is which is obviously positive. It shows that everybody's pretty excited about football season and uh, it's, it's coming quick, man. All right. So tell us about the new sponsor for the Las Vegas Bowl. Well, SRS Distribution, it's, it's a company that not a lot of people have heard, out, heard of based out of McKinney, Texas. And quite frankly, it's not a company that, that anybody's going to be able to, uh, to visit and, and purchase products from. They're, they're a business-to-business company um, and, and, and in, in the roofing supply company. And, and i got to be honest with you, we, we kind of stumbled upon this. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And in this particular situation, it was pure dumb luck. We were... We were asking them about a completely different question that, that involved uh, their foundation for, um, for first responders um, and military personnel. And uh, somehow, some way, we got into the conversation of it. And, and quite frankly, I, I said to the CEO of the company, I said, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm certainly not trying to kill this deal, but I have to ask why you're doing this. Um, and it was pretty simple for them. They, they're huge football fans. 
Um, they are huge Las Vegas fans, and they wanted to use the bowl as a platform to uh, throw one hell of a party and host uh, and reward their employees, reward their current customers, and, uh, and, and, and host some of their potential new companies that they're buying up. So the, it overall is a really, really positive deal. And, and the good news for our city, which, which we're always looking for, for folks to visit Las Vegas and bring business back, they're bringing two um, corporate uh, uh, events here to Las Vegas. They're going to do their big convention uh, in August uh, where they're bringing a whole bunch of people to town. Uh, bring a little business to us, and then uh, back for December for the bowl game, they're bringing a huge group back to us, too. So it's a win-win uh, for the bowl game, but also for our city. I mean, the convention thing is gigantic. That's that's massive. What, what are you hearing about the uh, convention biz, just to talk about a, a side issue here? Uh, what are you hearing as we have the big build-out of the convention center? Obviously, everyone else's convention uh, area spaces have been unused. So what are you hearing about uh, the rest of 2021 with conventions? Well, I, I was actually over there the other day, and, and uh, it was, it was kind of nice to go check it out. I, I hadn't seen the convention space yet, and, and it's absolutely cool. Got a chance to go down below and, and tour the, uh, the little Tesla Boring project, which is, which is unbelievable. But from all accounts, people are, people are starting to, uh, to plan trips again. Now, are they doing them at, at 100% capacity, that what they did before? Probably not. But I, I think, you know, optimistically, we're looking for – Hopefully, people to bring groups, you know, at fifty percent what they normally did. But I, but I think come June, everybody's feeling a lot better about things and, and feels a little bit safer, and the country seems to be getting back to normal. Um, I can tell you, our our group with SRS out of Texas, they're 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 not really backing off at all. They're bringing as many people as they possibly can in August. Um, they're they're doing some concerts at night, and they're going to do meetings all day, and they're they're going to they're going to make it a, a great little trip for for all their folks. Yeah, it's the uh, SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. John Sassanti, uh is in charge of the bowl game. Man, you are so much more powerful and important than I thought you were. I was going to ask you a, a goofy question. I was thinking about it coming in. I'm like, oh, do you go out and pitch the uh, the sponsor? I figured it was at the uh, the ESPN level, but you actually get you know into the nitty gritty with the sponsor, huh? <laughs> we do, we do. And and listen, I can't take 100 percent credit for it. it, it actually, we we have uh, one of my one of my coworkers based out of Fort Worth, Texas. He was the one that shot the email for uh, to ask the question on on helping out with the foundation. He has a military based bowl game and a military, I'm sorry, a first responder based uh, bowl game in Dallas. And uh, the question, and the guy literally said, he goes, "How do you put your name on one of those bowl games?" And so again, it's, it's better to be lucky and good. But I can tell you that that these people they're not they're not only coming in. You know, it's, it's weird when it's a company based out of out of Texas and why they want to do this, but. They're coming in to to make Vegas a better place. They want to get involved in the community. They want to get involved in community outreach uh, and charitable groups, um, and they want to help grow the bowl. They 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 see the future of the game um, and the potential for the game and, and the ability to be in the new stadium, and it, it, they're excited about it. And uh, you know, I, I think I think it's great. And and for us to secure them for five years, um, I, you know, for for those folks that may be listening that are in that sales and sponsorship world, it's hard to get people to commit to a five-year sponsorship at a pretty penny um, coming out of a pandemic. So they, 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 they believed in us, and, they, and they, they put their money where their mouth was. John, explain to people uh, the data of the game. You don't have to explain it, but the data of the game and also the, the new look because we never, got to took, you know, we never got to see the new look last year with new conference affiliation. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's going to be a busy year for us. We're, we're, we're actually kicking off. Um, we're, we're kicking off on Labor Day this year. Our bowl game uh, owns and operates 
uh, a kickoff classic, which we're going to play at Allegiant Stadium um, in, in on Labor Day weekend on Saturday, September 4th. That's going to be BYU in Arizona. Um, tickets are on sale to the public next week. Um, but we've already started the pre-sale with, with Raiders PSL holders, Raiders season ticket holders, and the teams. And we're approaching 30,000 seats already for that game, which is huge. Um, but with regards to the bowl game in December, we're going to be post-Christmas. We're going to be somewhere in that December 29-30 uh, window. Um, this is the year that we have the Big Ten. Last year we were supposed to have the SEC play the Pac-12, um, which is the only Pac-12 SEC matchup in the country. Unfortunately, because of COVID and the pandemic and us canceling the game, we're going to, we're going to lose out on one SEC year. But we bring the Big Ten in this year. And, you know, having, having the number two team out of the Pac-12 and the number three team out of the Big Ten, I, I'm pretty optimistic that we're going to have a pretty darn good matchup. I can't promise you that your, your, your Rutgers boys are going to make the bowl game, but I think we'll have a pretty good matchup from the, a pretty good team from the Big Ten. Yeah, they're, they're still building. I like that he's like, you're Rutgers. You're also a New Jersey guy. So uh, you, you, can't, you can't just freaking disown that. By the way, did you did you ever go to the uh, the original kickoff classic that was in Jersey for the longest time? Uh, I did not, but remember, I, first of all, I went to UNLV. I I, I turned down Rutgers uh, for the record. I came out to the Harvard of the West, which was UNLV. Um, but I did not go to the original <laughs> kickoff classic. What is wrong with you? Were you not a football fan as a kid? Come on. <laughs> Buddy, it, it, growing up in the Northeast, we didn't know what college football was. Wow. I did. You know what I did? I was a college football fan as a kid. And uh, I actually, I didn't realize this. The, the first one was in 1983. I thought there were games before that. I actually went to the first one. Um, as a child, uh, before I saw the light and uh, decided to root for a really successful football program like Rutgers, um, as a child, I actually liked rooting for Nebraska. And even then, I knew how much I hated Penn State. I went to see Nebraska play Penn State. And uh, that was one of the Nebraska teams that was unbelievable, and they beat Penn State 44-6. to I don't know where I'm going with this. I just wanted to, you know, just show off that I'm old. <laughs> That's all I got. Yeah, I'm just That's as old as you, buddy. Yeah, well, not, not quite. Not quite. Uh, just so folks know, John and I, uh, we go way back, but we didn't know we went way back. Because uh, John actually – did you actually date the uh, the sister of my former sister-in-law, or was just like – it was a one-off? Yeah, you know, I, I know the story, and you just confused the heck out of me. Um, this, this was a really serious relationship in the, uh, you know, the summer between seventh and eighth grade. You know, yes. when when all yes. when all your major relationships uh, take shape. But yeah, I, I uh, there, there's some kind of odd connection there. Um, and yes. I, th- I think uh, my my eighth grade girlfriend is now a, a police officer on the Jersey Shore, if I remember oh, correctly. Is that right? All right, we'll have to get her yeah. on next, next time. We'll be uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll reminiscing. A it's a really, it's a really weird way to set that up. I thought it was going to be like a, an actual girlfriend, like a seventh and eighth grade. When you call it a, a one-off, it seems very weird. I, th- I, I think it was called you were going together back then. It was, uh, it was, you know, real serious stuff. You were go- you were going steady at uh, whatever going it was, Red Bank, Red Bank Regional at the time. No, you weren't even in you weren't even in high school yet. That's right. Yeah, Red Bank Middle School, buddy. Redback Middle School. John Sassenti's with us. Uh, he's got the Las Vegas Bowl. We've got the kickoff classic now. So you, you mentioned something interesting there. Ticket sales are already booming that high? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing to me. Um, uh, you know, listen, I, I told everybody when, when, when we booked this event six years ago, uh, keep in mind we booked Arizona BYU to play at Sam Boyd Stadium. Allegiant, uh, Allegiant Stadium wasn't even thought of. And yeah. so we, we booked a matchup that we knew we could afford. We knew we could sell out. 
uh, leading up to this year, I, I, there was no doubt about it that we were going to sell. With, with COVID and the pandemic and all the uncertainty, we just didn't know how it was going to sell. And, and uh, you know, we, 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 the teams were able to, uh, to get a head start on their allotment. Um, BYU, quite frankly, sold out of theirs right away. Um, the, the response from the Raiders season ticket holders and the Raiders PSL holders has been tremendous. I think people are dying to get into that stadium and see a big-time college football game. Um, and then the, the, you know, the, the sponsorship tickets and, and the orders that, that we have from our existing partners are, are been going through the roof. So, you know, when we go on sale to the general public next, uh, next Tuesday, um, you know, it's it, all positive right now, which is, which is a great sign. We just got to keep moving forward and make sure we don't have any setbacks. But, you know, fingers crossed, we're going to have that place filled on uh, September 4th. How much easier does the bigger stadium, you know, legit, and Sam Boyd, you know, legendary place, did its, served its purpose, but how much easier does it make it for you with the uh, the big stadium, the NFL stadium? I'll let you know because I'm still not sleeping at night because of the thought of the thought of going from 36,000 seats that we were responsible for selling <laughs> to 65,000 seats kind of keeps me up at night. But um, you know, listen, the, the, we we now have something more than just the matchup and more than the teams as the attraction. Uh, people are people are dying to see events in that stadium, and, and if you haven't been in there yet, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's, it's the best in the business. Um, and it's going to provide a great atmosphere for a football game. John? Yes, well, I'm actually, or me, or John, other John? Von, Von Tobel. Von Tobel, I heard. Oh. I heard Von Tobel was uh, ready to go. Well, uh, John, I'm just curious for me, from a personal standpoint, uh, all these delays, right? We haven't seen a Las Vegas Bowl since, what, 2019. The personal anticipation for you to kind of get to this point where we kick this thing off. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired of talking about putting a football game on and, uh, and, and, you know, ripping up plans and starting over and changing over. That, that, that got a little old. Um, so I'm, I'm ready to get back at it. You know, we, we, we've been talking about this for a couple of years now is the all-new Las Vegas Bowl and, the, and, the, and, and, you know, the next step of the Las Vegas Bowl, which was supposed to happen last year. So I, I'm, I'm incredibly excited the good thing is we're selling, we're celebrating 30 years this year. Um, so, so it's, 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 it's been a long time coming, but I'm, uh, I'm fired. I'm ready to just get football season here. How much have you discussed with, uh, you know, the, the higher authorities in the state, what, you know, a game that'll hold 50, 60,000 fans will be like from a rule standpoint, from a, you know, a, a post COVID standpoint. And what I'm addressing is, I don't know what the rules are going to be in this state, as far as a vaccination passport, will it be a free-for-all? Are you guys discussing that now this far away from the game? We are not yet. Um, we are not yet. What we, we did notify the state that we were putting tickets on sale. We gave them the heads up. We, we told them we were going to plan to sell to 100% capacity. You know, they, they, uh, they, they basically gave us some language that they wanted us to include in there just in case something happened between now and then where, you know, if we do have to make some adjustments, uh, we're able to do it, but the, the 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 good thing for us is we do have a little bit of time left, and it looks like there's going to be you know a couple other events going on there between now and Labor Day. So we're gonna we're gonna keep in constant contact with the stadium people. We're gonna hopefully we'll, we'll you know we'll we'll reach out to UNLV. We'll talk to maybe the Garth Brooks people. Um, I think that Gold Cup uh, soccer match is going to be in there just before us. So there's a couple things that are currently scheduled. So we'll, we'll keep in contact with everybody. Uh, we'll share ideas. We'll monitor the situation. Um, I sit on this, 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 uh, committee called the VECC, which is the, you know, uh, Vegas entertainment, uh, COVID committee. 
which is made up of local sports business leaders and entertainment leaders here in town, and, and they're all talking about protocol. So we're all trying to help each other get back up and running in the right way, um, and everybody's willing to help each other through the process. You know, we've got a Von Tobel on the show from Von Tobel Tools. He, you may want to get him on that committee. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'll a, put a good word in. How's that? He's a, he's a mover and shaker. Okay, that just meant he's not going to mention it, and you have no shot, John. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, John Sassenti, what do you think the challenges are going to be? Like, if you had to hold this game, your football game, on July 10th, like, how challenging would that be? Obviously, you'd get less promotion time, and football teams are not ready to play football, but I just, you know, the, the July 10th date is going to be massive. You could have a Conor McGregor fight at the Fortress, and uh, and then 50,000, 60,000 people in there for Garth Brooks. It's uh it really is right around the corner. It is. And I can tell you I'm going to be paying close attention to both of them. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know how that's all going to shake out. I mean, you know, the, the governor has said by uh, June 1, we should be back up and running and, 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 and back to 100%. So we, we keep all fingers and all toes crossed and, and, and hope that everything gets back to normal prior to, prior to Labor Day. Because, uh, you know, I think, I think especially – Especially the college football fan, I think I think they're they're starving for some sort of normalcy within that space. John, we appreciate a couple of minutes. Congrats on the uh, the five year sponsorship deal, and this is really cool. You got two football games coming up, and I'm glad to hear that Arizona and yeah, even BYU. Uh, I'm glad to hear that the ticket sales are going so well this quickly. Well, they are. The, I mean, listen, you got you got that, that's the beauty about doing a game in the, the first week of the year, right? They're both undefeated. They're both coming in with high hopes. Uh, they, they both think they're going to have a pretty good team. So that's, that, that's where, that's where we're, you know, kind of capitalizing on, on the excitement from the fan bases. They're both pretty good right now. Thank you, John. We appreciate it. Guys, thanks for all you do. Thanks for telling the story and hope, hope to see you in person soon. There he is. John Sassenti. I should say, yes, us too. Yeah. We want to see you in person too. So not eternal lockdowners, right, John? Von Tobel? No, that's not not at all. Actually, very excited. I feel very safe now that I have my microchip and I'm ready to go. Are you going to be an eternal distancer like myself? I mean, I've always kind of been an eternal distancer yep. at heart. Yep. Like you know, no handshake, fist bump, don't breathe on me, get away from me, hold your breath when people get too close to you. You hold your breath. If you look smelly, I do. Well, that's Sorry, Jared. I, I would probably do it with you. Oh wow! Yeah. wow. <laughs> it's it's all the right. neck beard. It's the neck beard. That's yeah. what it is. Well, we're all we're all connected on video today, and uh, Jared. It, I'm not going to say he looks unkempt, but I think that's what you were getting at. Yeah, but we're I all in the building. I, we're all in the building, and then uh, everyone will take a shower and shave and cut their hair, like including myself, like the Yankees. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. We're going to have to clean up the no mustache or beard policy, and uh, I do no hair below your ears. I didn't even recognize. I didn't recognize Rugnet Odor the other day. Like I was watching, and I'm like, "Who is this guy at the plate?" And then they show like the lower third. I was like, "That's Rugnet Odor, really?" Cleaned up. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Tom Von Tobel's in, so a lot of NBA talk today. Jared helping out, filling in for Ari. More injury news. Looks like Harden, setback, hamstring. He's going to be down for a while. No Durant tonight. He's got a thigh contusion. Uh, the laundry list of players for the Nets that are out against the Pelicans is incredible. Yep, Nick Claxton, 
they're a young guy, right? Also in health and safety protocols. Uh, their third string center is also in those health and safety protocols. So it has been a nightmare for them. And that doesn't even include role players like Tyler Johnson, who's been hurt. So really sucks, dude. I never got a chance to talk to you about LaMarcus Aldridge and, and his retirement. But I, I did want to, before I get to it, I did want to play you last week's Greeny Wine of the Week. It's brought to you by Weed Sellers. But uh, we always find something that Greeny was whining about, right? right? Weed Sellers, get it, get it, get it, get it. Right. No cannabis, no CBD, all about uh, wine, bourbon and beer. But here was Greeny talking about how players are resting all the time and the NBA is just uh, it's maddening. Michael Jordan played 82, 82 and 82 games in the regular seasons of 1996, 97 and 98 when he was in his 30s. They were all still at their very best in the postseason. It didn't shorten any of their careers. And these guys, the guys in the 70s were flying commercial flights. You would show up at LaGuardia in the morning after a game they played at the Garden the night before, and you might run into Artis Gilmore at the Cinnabon getting breakfast, and he's having a cinnamon bun and a cup of coffee, and he's on his way to Atlanta where they're playing that night. Okay. So there's First a lot. All, I will go back and, and say that we, we, we corrected Greeny um, from a factual standpoint. When Artis Gilmore played, there was no Cinnabon. It wasn't around yet. But go ahead. That was, that was Adam Hill's focus last week, but I'm sure – You'll be a little more focused on this with uh, the games played by Jordan as compared to guys now. My first thought is, isn't it Cinnabon? Not Cinnabon. So you're both you're both caught up on the Cinnabon joke mentioned. I, I thought it was I thought it was Cinnabon. That's Cinnabon. That sounded really weird. Jared's giving me the no, but I get the Cinnabon. You get okay. your Cinna on at the Cinnabon. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that was a thing. Um, I haven't been to a Cinnabon in a long time. Uh, look, you know what? He's probably right. I'm not going to go back and look at all those numbers and you know about these games played. They also weren't playing against the level of athlete that the NBA guys are playing Ooh. right now. Like these guys are bigger, stronger, and faster than any of the guys that were playing back then. So that probably is something that works in their favor. And here's the other thing: like I've always wondered this. Who do you think should be playing? Give me the guy who you think is slacking off right now, right? James Harden, for example, we talk about these guys resting. So James Harden the other day, in the other day, it's been like, what, 20 days now. He rushed back at the beginning of April after missing two games. You know what happened? He aggravated the hamstring injury. He played four minutes and then he had to go and now he's out for over a month and then he re-aggravated it again, trying to get back. He's going to be injured. So what are we talking about when it comes to these guys always resting? Give me the, and here's the thing, Steve. Every guy I hear about, every time it's, well, Kyrie Irving. Yes, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving's a weird dude who keeps taking personal days. There you go. There's your shining example. Who else do you want? Do you want Anthony Davis to rush back from the calf injury that has been bothering him? Why Why did uh, Why did LaMarcus Aldridge just quit? Uh, yeah, a regular heartbeat. Because that's the other thing, too, that is, I think, kind of dangerous about all of this. You have no idea what these guys are actually dealing with. And so, again, when we have a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge, who, by the way, this is the best part, before he announces his retirement that day, there are all sorts of jokes being made about LaMarcus Aldridge taking days off, resting, all of this all of this stuff, and you have no idea the medical hardships that he was having to deal with. It is absolutely ridiculous, and it is dangerous. Get off of these guys' backs. They're dealing with legitimate injuries. Outside of Kyrie Irving, you can't find an example of a guy who isn't playing because he's dealing with something serious. All right, we'll move on from Greeny because it's just going to send you over the edge. Football frenzy's coming up. And then we got Miles Simmons checking in from Pro Football Talk as he'll tell us what's happening with uh, everyone wants to trade back 
in the NFL draft. That's a new trend before the draft. We all want to trade back. 